This is John, your host with Dairyland Frights Podcast, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. And tonight, I have a very special guest with me, Jeff uh, Finnup. Is that how you pronounce your name? That's Jeff? right. Yep, you got All right. it. From the Wisconsin Legends Podcast. So welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me, John. Excited to be yeah. on board. Excellent. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself and your podcast and, you know, some of the things you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. So, like John said, Jeff Finnup, I grew up in central Wisconsin, in uh, Wisconsin Rapids, of all places, and, <laughs> uh, you know, the River Cities. And uh, it was really, you know, a a peaceful community. Um it was great, but there was always something spooky around the corner. So I grew up with uh, stories from my grandpa and my mom about, you know, kind of the old times in Wisconsin, a haunted house near where my grandpa grew up and a haunted house actually oh, kitty corner to me right. in my backyard. And nice. my mom didn't shy away from this stuff. And um, I got intrigued at a young age. I uh, would listen to my parents talk about ghosts at dinner parties and swap stories. And I would be the kid at the Catholic school library, checking out the <laughs> supernatural or cryptid or UFO books, yeah, whatever yeah. was in stock, you know, yeah. and then it came to uh, the era where the goosebumps books started coming out. So I tried to right. collect all of those and then we'd go home and we'd watch uh, Nickelodeon and are you afraid of the dark? So I was uh, captivated oh, at a young age and, you know, it wasn't until, um, you know, I became an adult. I moved to Phoenix for a couple of years and then I came back mm. to Wisconsin and I started, um, you know, picking up books by like Chad Lewis and an old book called Wisconsin Lore and really diving into some of the um, legends and lore of where I grew up. And yeah. I always knew there was something spooky about Wisconsin. You know, I, I grew up in... Mm -hmm. uh, in the eighties and the early nineties. And you'd hear, yeah. you know, the, the news broke about Jeffrey Dahmer and oh, right. uh, we heard tales of Ed Gein Liv living in Wisconsin Rapids. I was in Kellner, which is on the far East side of Wisconsin Rapids. It's not yeah. too far from Plainfield. Right. And my, yeah, my friend's mom was from Plainfield and her grandma mm. grew up and she claims that she was actually babysat by old Eddie himself. Oh, wow. So that was a family <laughs> legend that he passed along to me at a young age. And, you know, that kind of um, sent a tingle up my spine thinking about somebody <laughs> with real, firsthand yeah. knowledge of, real of Ed Gein. <laughs> yeah, so uh, kind, of, kind of had a, a spooky childhood, uh, very fun and lighthearted, and uh, just kind of got interested in it. And that kind of led to... You know, my latest project with uh, Mike from American Ghost Walks and the Wisconsin Legends podcast. But a couple years before we started that, I started um, an Instagram account called Badgerland Legends. So mm -hmm. the theme of Badgerland Legends is the people, places, and things that make Wisconsin legendary. So it could be anything from, you know, just a, a random uh, haunted house, um, the Beast of Bray Road, the Hodag. It could be fun. It could be scary. It could be murderous, yep. like Gein or Dahmer, or it could just be some fun history from Wisconsin. Right. And you know, the funny thing, Jeff, is 
And uh, Mike and I were talking about that. You can check out our episode where I talked to Mike Huberty. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a great guest. Um, so there's so many things here in the Midwest. And, you know, when you think of spookiness, right, you, you think of maybe New York, L.A., Chicago. And, and yeah. they're all great cities and they all have their New England, spookiness. yeah. New England, correct, Stephen King, right? That's the first thing that comes to your mind. And people don't think about the Midwest per se, but... There are so many great tales and so many spooky tales here that people, um, you know, they just don't think about it, right? Uh, like yeah. I did a pod, I did an episode, excuse me, about this place called Hummel Park, which is in Omaha, Nebraska. And more than 15 people have been murdered in this park. Oh, man. I, I didn't even know about it. And their ghosts yeah. and their spirits are everywhere. And like people, you know, during the day they will play at this park, right? Like just a, like Mendota Park here in Madison, Wisconsin, you know, or your regular park anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But at night, nobody goes there because they even say there are albino cannibals who live in the park. Oh, <laughs> and my. I was just like, what? Omaha, Nebraska. I've been to Omaha, Nebraska, and it's like, well, it's Nebraska. It's fine. It's I've been through. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just don't think albino cannibals in the <laughs> woods of a park. Yeah, okay? public park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, place you take um, your family for a picnic, and there's apparently albino cannibals. Kind of right, reminds right. me of like kind of the Haunchyville story of these yes. roving roving band of little people that. Uh, live in the outskirts of Milwaukee and Muskego. Yeah. And uh were kind of uh vengeful towards their former former circus master and ended Oof. up murdering him and then kind of were protective of a young albino boy that wandered into their camp. Yeah. And if you want to check out the whole story on that, you can check out the uh Wisconsin Legends podcast episode on Haunchyville. Yes, and please do. I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful, spooky story. Um, So before we get started, one of the things I wanted to mention, you mentioned Ed Gein. I have a quick story to tell you. So my mom's friend back in the late 70s, early 80s was the head nurse of Mendota Mental Health Institution. It's right down the street from where I'm right now. (laughs) Awesome. So my mom's friend, was in charge of good old Ed. And this is, this, is a, this is one of my favorite stories she told me. So Ed, when he walked to his room, at this time he was like in his 70s or something. He was, well, harmless, as you could call harmless. And you would yeah. walk into his room, and if he liked you, he would smile at you, really creepy smile. If he didn't like you, he would give you this cold, like, predator stare. And he mm-hmm. would do that to my mom's friend. And my mom's friend wouldn't take any crap. <laughs> She's the head nurse <laughs> of a, a, a huge institution, right? And so she'd be, Ed, you look at me like that again, you know what's going to happen. And Ed would just kind of back off and he'd be like, okay. But one day, a new nurse came in and my mom's friend was gone uh, doing some other business. Doesn't matter. So she went into the room, and the other nurses wouldn't, wouldn't dare go into this room. They would, you know, they'd be the last ones to go in. So she went into the room. She didn't know anything. She didn't know who he was. 
nothing, right? Which is very strange that she wouldn't know. So anyway, my mom's friend comes back and the nurses are like, oh, we're worried about Sarah, right? And she's like, well, why, why are you worried about Sarah? What's going on? She goes, she's been in Ed's room for like 30 minutes. And, and my mom's friend goes, why didn't you go in there and get her? And, the, and check up on her like, oh, no way. So this nurse, Sarah, whatever her name was, comes out. She has this big smile on her face. And she's like, oh, that guy is so nice. Ed is so nice. And everybody looks at her and they go, do you know who that is? And she's like, he reminds me of my grandpa. And they're like, uh, okay. And they're like, that's Ed Gein, the butcher of Plainfield. And they explained everything to her. And she turned pale white, according to, my, to, to our friend, my mom's friend, nearly fainted and quit that day. Immediately. Oh my. Never came back. <laughs> Unreal. And that's a great story. That's crazy. You know, and I just like, she was in this room with this guy just thinking it's like your grandpa. Like, you're telling a fishing story. Hey, I caught this great fish. I went fishing today. It was great. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I always ask my, my uh, mom's friend, she has other stories. And she goes, Oh, sweetie, I'm not going to tell you those stories. Those two, they're, they're a little too raw. Cause I was like 16 <laughs> at the time or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it'd be great to, uh, to hear them now if you could, but I'm, oh, I'd give anything yeah. to hear. But, but yeah. could you imagine that if you didn't know who he was and you saw a picture of Ed Gein? I mean, yeah. it kind of looks like your grandpa, right? Well, it looks kind of strange, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, he, <laughs> he yeah, he he has kind of a like like you said, kind of a, a menacing smile. But from what oh. I've heard about Ed, Ed Gein is that he was a, a generally pleasant individual, yes. but he had a a hot temper mm. and a morbid fascination. Yes. And that's what got him in trouble. Because he yes. only He's not a serial killer per se. He he's no. only had two two deaths that have been Correct. confirmed. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and both both were both both were matronly women that kind of reminded him of his mom. And yeah. you know, after his mom died, he kind of kind of snapped, and that's when the uh the murders and the uh grave robbing yeah. really came. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and you know, too, his gravestone. I still think they. Uh, I'm not really sure if it's this is true or not, but people were going to his gravestone and chipping off part of his gravestone and selling it on eBay. So the police or whoever took his gravestone, and I guess now it's in the basement of uh, the city hall in Plainfield. And people say they will not go in the basement. They said when they yeah, go so, down there, feel weird. So go on. Yeah, yeah I've, go on. I've heard that story too. So yeah, you what what you heard was right that people would go to his gravestone and they would chip off a piece as a souvenir. Um, and then I know that the actual gravestone was stolen in nineteen nine nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Right, and it ended up in Seattle by like an Ed Gein collector, oh, and wow. he started advertising that he had it well it was stolen property so they ended up getting yeah. back and apparently it's in the Washera county courthouse basement 
but uh, I haven't been able to confirm that. Somebody told me it was actually in uh, a chiropractor's office in their basement. What? But I, I haven't been able to, to, to track down the actual yeah. whereabouts of the headstone. But if you go to the Plainfield Cemetery, mm-hmm. you will see Augusta's gravestone. You'll see his mm-hmm. father's gravestone. You'll see his brother's gravestone. But there is, it's like a, a missing tooth. And that's Ed's gravestone. But okay. it continues. If you look, there's a big divot because people will come to Eddie's gravesite because he's still buried there. There's Eddie, no gravestone, but they will dig up a piece of dirt and then they'll put it in like a little jar or, you know, maybe like a little test tube or like a little Why? amulet to wear around their neck as that's, kind that's of a crazy. memento of, of Ed Gein. So hmm. just morbid fascination continues yeah. on in the Gein story. It, it it really it really does. Um, now, I have to ask this, Jeff. Can you tell me about a personal uh, story, like paranormal story, or something that you were involved in that kind of I won't say scared you, but maybe it was really interesting, and you know, you kind of thought about it to this day. Yeah. So. For somebody like me that goes out and I look to kind of have an encounter with these things, I don't have too many encounters myself. And I've uh, kind of commiserated with Chad Lewis about this. And he's he goes to different uh, haunted locations. He does dares and he rarely has an account. But, you know, I've had a, I've had a couple. OK. Um, and, you know, last night, actually, um, we live in a newer house. And mm. we've never had, uh, it seems like wherever my wife has lived, she's had some kind of spooky encounter or yeah. something she's picked up. She's like kind of sensitive like that. And oh. I go out and look for this stuff and, and I have nothing. But anyway, I have a uh, six-year-old daughter and a mm. three-year-old son. Oh, and boy. we take turns putting them to bed each night. So sure, I was putting my daughter to bed last night. And I was in her room. I was getting her in bed. I was starting her, the meditations that she listens to, to fall asleep. And um, as I, as I did that, my wife came out, she came into my daughter's bedroom, gave her a hug, gave her a kiss. And then Mm -hmm. she walked into our bedroom right across the hall. And I sat in my daughter's room for, you know, a couple minutes, just, you know, making sure that she was ready to go to sleep. And then I, I gave her a hug and a kiss. And then I walked back into my bedroom and the bathroom light was on and my wife often leaves the bathroom light on. And I had thought she was in the bathroom. Sure. So I I sat down on the bed, you know, just waiting for her to come out. And then a couple minutes had passed and I looked over to where we keep the baby monitors and they were gone. So I'm like, oh, she must have left. I thought she was in there. Sure. So I came downstairs thinking nothing of it. And I came down to the main level and my wife says, um, did you go into Isla's room and then uh, go back in? And I'm like, what do you mean? I said, well, when I left after I hugged Isla and went into the room, I got changed in the bathroom mm. and I heard someone come in and some shuffling. and then." When I came out, there was nobody yeah. there. And sure. then I walked past, walked past Isla's room and you were still in there and you were just getting ready to like tell her good night. 
So then I went back downstairs. Sure. So I assumed that you had stopped in there and then stopped back maybe to take yeah. care of like a need of hers. And I said, right. no, I was in there the whole time. And then I came in expecting you to be there and you weren't there. So she just says, well, you know, I heard something. I feel like I saw something. I definitely felt present. So that was actually mm. something that happened last night. That kind of is, right. a, is a head scratch for me. So yeah, um, we'll see what becomes of that or if this was just kind of one off. And I yeah. think um, a lot of people think that we haunt ourselves. So, um, you know, they talk about residual hauntings, hauntings mm. and um, active hauntings. Right. And maybe some of these residual hauntings are just impressions or imprints or shadows of us right. going through our lives. So this is a routine we do every night. And maybe that energy is, it holds on. So it's, yeah. it's hard to say what actually happened there, but uh, it was interesting. And it was kind of on top of my mind because we we're just digesting it again, you know, this, this sure. afternoon. Yeah, sure. So that reminds me of a really sweet story. Uh, I read one time about this uh, uh, family and their grandma lived with him for a number of years and their grandma couldn't really sleep at night. So she'd wake up about two o'clock in the morning and she would go and check up on the children. So she would open the doors and look in and then, you know, go back to sleep and stuff, make sure they're okay, cover them up, whatever. So grandma passes away and everybody's Mm -hmm. sad and everything like that, obviously. and. One day, um, or one night, they're sleeping and they hear footsteps down the hall and they hear the children's door open and then close. And they're like, oh, you know, you have little kids. So, you know, they'll get up sometimes in the middle of the night to be like, oh, I want to watch SpongeBob or something. You're like, no, get Mm -hmm. to bed. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I want a cookie. You're like, no, sweetie, get to bed. And so the, the guy was like, okay, all right. And then this continued to happen. So then he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, he thought it'd be fun to catch his kids. So he got out his video camera and he put it out in the hallway so he could catch his kids and have a little fun with them, right? So he goes to bed that night, same thing happens. So next morning he wakes up, he presses, you know, he goes, looks at the tape of the video camera and he sees this like spirit, you know, an outline that looked like his grandmother going in to his children's bedroom. And he, of course, he was like shocked. And he was like, what what is this and then some paranormal researchers say well that's a residual haunting your grandmother lived there for years she stills there she still loves you and your children and she's checking up on them nothing to worry mm-hmm. about just leave it alone but it was just like a sweet little story right yeah. and you you wonder if that does happen like you're saying just because you're going through the same routines over and over again you know uh the things like to happen all over with people where it's just something nice but it can be also something mm-hmm. terrible and that residual hunting just keeps on happening I, I just find that fascinating yeah definitely it's, it's something i've always been intrigued with like you know they they say in physics that energy can neither be created nor destroyed only transmuted mm-hmm. or transferred so right. that energy our um you know bodily energy where does it go when we die we we don't yeah. know and i think that's kind of what people in our field kind of tried to figure out or at least have an encounter with yeah so i have to ask you a quick question sure so there's a residual haunting which we just talked about and Mm -hmm. an intelligent haunting where it's more like you know i don't know moving something writing something on your 
dry erase board, <laughs> you know, on your maybe yeah, uh, like, your a, like an active communication. Yeah, 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 yeah. Active communication. Which would you prefer? If your house was haunted, would you want the residual haunting, or would you want the intelligent haunting? Which that's, one would be like, hey? <laughs> that's that's a great question. I think is as long it as it was good natured. I think mm. I might want the intelligent haunting. Yeah, because then you could try to develop a relationship or communicate sure. with it. I think that would be kind of a, a cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I don't like about the residual haunting is you've read stories like this, I'm sure, where people say they wake up three o'clock in the morning. There's some little girl with her eyes gouged out <laughs> standing <laughs> at the front of your bed and you're like, ah, right. And yeah. it just happened. After a while, I was laughing at him, And I asked my wife this, and she was like, yeah, I'd get sick of it. I'd be like, little girl, can you just <laughs> just go? Yeah. Take, take a hike. Yeah. Take a hike. I'm sick of waking yeah. up. Because it would lose its effect, right? If you mm -hmm. woke up every morning, I woke up every morning or whatever, and there was a little girl or, a, or an elderly gentleman standing at the foot of your bed, you'd be like, Oh man! <laughs> Not this again! Yeah. Not this again! Yeah. Can you just go and tell me what? The, and that's where I like intelligent haunting, where someone could be like, "Hey, um, send me to the light, or or get rid of that vase, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you could be like, "Oh, get rid of that vase! Great, I'll go to." The, or, or or maybe set set some <laughs> boundaries. Be like, okay, you, if you want to hang out yeah. in here, you know this this is your room in in life. It can be or some right. death but you know don't bother us in the bedroom don't sneak up on me in the bathroom <laughs> right i'm showering and suddenly yeah, yeah. to the cold water yeah. on thanks a lot um, yeah, thanks, so buddy. let's get so we'll get to our top <laughs> let's get to our topic so spooky sure. friends we're gonna get spooky here and like jeff and i were talking about there's a lot of cool stuff and a lot of spooky stuff and we're going to and jeff i need your help here to tell right. me if this is rated too high or too low and what you know about each one. If you've done an episode about this, please mention your episode so people can check it out like Haunchyville. So I'm going to rate the top 10 scariest places in Wisconsin. So mm -hmm. number one, Summerwind. Summerwind. I was just there a few weeks ago and oh. it's still active. And, yeah. um, Unfortunately, the current proprietors, um, they're getting older. They're mm. not in the best health. So they are, sure. they're unloading it. And mm -hmm. the idea is that maybe a, um, a neighboring um, resort will, will buy it. But likely the ghost haunting aspect has come to an end there, at least in this current era. And it's, really? it's unfortunate because it's, I've seen summer wind in its glory in pictures from like the 1920s yes. it's and it's an absolute beautiful resort gorgeous. but um yeah have you been there uh so i have a strange story i haven't been there my buddy so we did episode number two gary land for mm -hmm. it out. uh yep. we did uh where i was doing a road trip with my buddy we just on our cycle you know just whatever driving around wisconsin and he goes, let's mm -hmm. go to Summerwind. And I go, no, you know, I'm going to respect them. It's still a private place. And he goes, well, I'm going to do it. So he goes driving down this whatever trail, I guess. And he was sitting there for like five minutes, kind of looking around. This sheriff comes in and he goes, you got to get off of here now. You got to leave. This is private property. Go. 
he's a real jerk mm. to my friend and i'm like okay so my friend leaves and stuff and i guess then the sheriff was like hey look I'm, i didn't mean to be a jerk to you uh but whoever sets foot on that ground there's always something bad that happens to him and i'm just trying to protect you son so mm. don't please don't go on and my friend was like first of all how did he know <laughs> that i was on this property because there was nothing we were like riding like like on a wednesday afternoon so there was not a lot like a lot of traffic or anything like that no and it's it's really like i thought it was right in lando lakes but it's it's quite a ways outside it's probably about 10 miles outside of lando lakes it's in the middle of nowhere there's other people with cabins there and there's a lot of boats on the lake and but it's it's very remote so for a sheriff or uh you know, a policeman to be there at that time is kind of, uh, un- unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fox Valley ghost hunters had invited me and I got to see nice. it kind of the last, the last hurrah, um, did some spirit box sessions and, yeah. um, you know, got some intelligent responses there. So nice. we're not sure, you know, is there, uh, ghosts that, um, have come with other people kind of hitchhiked, with some of the other team members are there still ghosts there from you know the olden days i'm not, i'm not quite sure but uh yeah. it definitely was a paranormal wisconsin bucket list item for me so i'm glad i got to at least that... do that and i so here's a, here's a, another funny story i know we yeah we got we... nine more to get through but yeah, um no, no i got there um they had a friday night event and a saturday night event and i did the sure. saturday night event so some of the Fox Valley ghost hunters had already set up camp, um, you know, right next to the ruins. Yeah. So I, I had pulled in and I saw kind of where they were, were set up and they're like, Oh yeah, you're welcome to pitch a tent here or there. And I was like, okay. Or, or they said, well, there's a clearing right there that you can pitch your tent. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, my truck was right there. It was um, pretty buggy and it was starting to drizzle. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll just uh, throw up my tent here yeah, and sure. just, just be done. It's right by my truck. Yeah. Don't have to haul anything. Right. And uh, pitched my tent and, uh, you know, met the other people around the campfire. And then, sure. Uh, sure enough, they told me, well, you know, Jeff, you just set up your tent on an Indian burial mount. And oh. I'm just like, well, that is great. <laughs> but uh, I I didn't have any experiences overnight huh. there. I slept very well. Nice. Um, so it was very peaceful. I tried to be respectful. But uh, I... Felt like of of all places to to pitch your tent right on top of a mound, oh. um, which is and, and you know kind of a, a synchronicity there is. I um, love it. While I was while I was pitching my tent there, uh, my friend came up to me and she is kind of sensitive and she's like, "Do you know if there's any um, you know Indian mounds around here?" We said, "You know what? That's that's a good question. I'm not sure." And then sure enough, yeah. turns out we were standing on one while we were having that conversation. Yes. Oh, so yeah, I, w- I would say. Um, as far as its haunted history and legacy, it's hard to to put one uh, above Summerwind. Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep it there at the at the number one spot. Okay, great. So, but I got a challenge for you because All I've right. stayed here, and if you're a sports fan, you've heard this: the Fister Hotel, number two. Because sports you know, fans, I, the reason I say that, oh, just really quick, the reason I say yeah. you're probably oh, like sports fans. What what does a hotel do with sports fans? So. When people play the Milwaukee Brewers, they are offered, obviously, a number of hotels. And I remember seeing just a grown man, baseball player, big guy go, 
I'm not staying there. <laughs> I stood there last <laughs> time. I saw a ghost. No way I'm staying there. Find me a different hotel. So, <laughs> Fister Hotel, uh, tell me a little bit about that, Jeff. Yeah, so Fister Hotel, like you said, it's the uh, the traveling team's hotel and a number of reputable um, big league players yeah. have stayed there and have asked in the middle of night to switch rooms yes. um, or they find alternative accommodations. So it's uh, long been known to be haunted. It is an old hotel. And um, from what I've heard, Gorgeous. it's very luxurious. I, I have not stayed there. I live in Madison, so it's only an hour away. So yeah. if I ever go to Milwaukee, um, I'll usually just drive back the same night because, you know, if it's late at night, it's it's only an uh, in, in hour shot up ninety four to Madison. So right, um, it is on it is on my bucket list to, to at least stay there or at least visit the lobby and kind of take in. But the uh, the legend is that it's haunted by the proprietor Charles Fister, right. uh, kind of looking after his hotel. So. These big league right. players have had um, <laughs> stuff be inexplicably moved. Um, I've yes. heard everything from uh, something like as simple as like a cell phone uh, being on like an opposite nightstand to um, entire uh, desks or furnitures being shuffled around the room while they're, yes. you know, in the bathroom or, or whatnot. Yeah. So it's a, it's a spooky place. And I think uh, the lore definitely dictates a, a number two ranking. Yeah. So it, um, the other thing, uh, this one baseball player, and I can't remember his name, but he's a big time guy uh, for the Phillies, and he Bryce Harper. Town. Pro- well, probably Bryce Harper. Yeah, probably yeah I think it, Bryce Harper definitely showed up in one of the news articles on it. Oh, okay, probably yeah. when so he was then, with the Nationals. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, Nationals. Yep. So uh, anyway, he um, put on his clothes for the next day. He said he put them mm-hmm. on the bed. He went in the bathroom. Then he comes out, and they're gone. And he's like. Oh, well, maybe I just, maybe, I, you know, I don't know, whatever, right? It's been a long road trip, and these guys are on the road a long time, right? So he's, it's forget. He goes back in the bathroom, comes back out, they're back on the bed again. And he goes, yep, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone. And if you know who Bryce Harper is, just look up a picture of Bryce Harper. He is he's, not he's a, a small guy. Dude. He's, he's like a, a he's like a modern day lumberjack. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a big guy. He's not a and he's like, nope. God, I'm out. Yep. And you hear this yep. all the time from baseball players who say like, nope, not staying there. So excellent. So my next one is a little bit of maybe we'll have to move this down. But I've been at this one too. Uh, by the way, the Fister Hotel. I was at a wedding there, um, so I didn't really have any experiences. It was just gorgeous. It was a real fun wedding. I didn't get the chance to stay over, uh, but it's, trust me, get a chance, check it out. It's absolutely gorgeous. So the next one is, I put it up here at number three. I've been there and I had just a weird experience when I was there. Nothing like I saw anything, but Nelson's Hall, Washington Island. So are you familiar with that one at all, Jeff? I, I'm familiar with that one. I have not been been there. I've been to Washington's Island. So the notable thing about Nelson's is it is apparently the longest active tavern in Wisconsin because the wily old Dane, Tom Nelson, who emigrated from Denmark in 1890, he decided to open this this beer hall in 1899, 1899 and uh, 
owned it through prohibition. But Nelson, he kind of wiggled his way through a loophole in that 18th Amendment we call prohibition. (laughs) He applied for a pharmacy license and he served bitters, Angostura bitters, for stomach ailments. So for medicinal purposes, he was able to dispatch Angostura bitters to his patrons. Now, if anybody knows Angostura bitters is a key ingredient in old fashioned and it gives it kind of that bitter flavor. Um, I like the taste of it, but I would probably not um, order a shot out of fun, but you can go to Nelson's hall on Washington Island and you can join the bitters club. So what you do is you say, I want to join the bitters club. They pour you a shot of Angostura bitters. You down the shot. You dip your thumb into the empty shot glass. So you get that nice, dark, um, that nice, dark um, bitters on your thumb. And then you stamp your card with your thumbprint and you're officially a member of the bitters club. So it's a long running tradition. And Tom Nelson, that wily old Dane, (laughs) he lived till 90 despite wow. drinking bitters every day. So maybe there's some uh, some healing properties yeah, to it as well, but he that. still is said to haunt the property. Um, like I said, I have yet to be there. It's on my bucket list. Uh, yeah. Next time I get to Washington Island, it's going to be the first stop for me, of course. Awesome. Awesome. But, uh, so I forgot, yeah. I forgot to mention uh, Fister Hotel is episode three for us. This is episode 16. Uh I was there, and when I was there, they were trying to get me to drink bitters. Me and my buddies were there. We were on a fishing trip. I'm like, no, I don't. No, dude, I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna have my pass, blue ribbon. Um, and so, but when I, I remember when I said that. This is maybe it's just because I was tired or whatever. But as soon as I said, nah, I'm not gonna drink that bitter stuff. I felt like a chill went down my spine. Like somebody was like what <laughs> like you know the great day there <laughs> the, yeah. the old day saying hey man why don't you you don't like that you don't want to have a bitter you're What's you're in my you? you're in my hall yeah uh, have some bitters so yeah, i will definitely bitter. be be taken on the bitters challenge when i get <laughs> awesome <it. laughs> so the next one is i would love to see this if this would happen riverside cemetery Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, there's our episode 19 for that. This one is Mary Blood, where supposedly... Kate, Kate Blood. Kate Blood, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good catch, Jeff. Yep. Um, where supposedly this bleeds, this tombstone will bleed on certain full moon nights or certain nights. Um, but I think there's a specific night you have to go to. Maybe you can help me with that, Jeff. Yeah, so the lore around um, the gravesite of Kate M. Blood is that she murdered her husband and three children. Now, the yeah. mother, Kate Blood, her gravestone is set back further towards the woodline, um, mm-hmm. kind of out of the the regular ring of prominence. Yeah. And visitors to the cemetery, they report feeling uneasy or unwell. They see shadowy figures and balls of light in this section of the cemetery. Now it said if you touch the grave marker, blood will appear or ooze yeah. from the face of the marker. Right. Now, 
unfortunately, we can't let historical facts get in the way of a good story. So, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> so perhaps it was Blood's name that brought along this ominous legend in conjunction with the arrangement of those tombstones. So um, a simple exercise in like reading or logic, we can see that the main marker belongs to two people uh, yeah. directly below Kate's names. You'll see her hus- her husband's name, George M. Miller. Now mm-hmm. Kate was laid to rest in 1874 where George lived much later, 1916. Mm-hmm. So um, any, Inkling that she murdered her husband that lived, uh, what is that, uh, 40 years longer than yeah. her? Yeah, how do you uh, do that? Can be dispelled. And unfortunately, Kate died in 1874, childless. George Miller, he went on to marry Mary Moulton Hutchinson. And the three separate markers in the, there were Kate, George, and Mary. Um, so that um, kind of dispels the myth. But people still have experiences there, so maybe yeah. it's not maybe it's not Kate Blood, but maybe it's uh, somebody else that has been overlooked because yeah. Kate's getting all the attention. Yeah, that. Is, but it's such a, like you say. Don't let science <laughs> get in the way of a great story. Yeah, that is such a great. One. So rounding up the top five is the Brumder Mansion, Milwaukee, Brumder. Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. So, what? Tell me about it. What? Uh, anything? Any feelings? Any like? Uh... Yeah. So, the the Brumner it was commissioned by a wealthy newspaper magnate, George Brumner. He was um, he published a German newspaper in early Milwaukee. Now, the legends around the property are that a ballroom in the basement was operated as a speakeasy. During Prohibition, we have a lot of Prohibition lore in Wisconsin, you know, everything yes. thing from Nelson's. Now we're talking about the Brumder and then yeah. every place in between is associated with Al Capone or John Dillinger, uh, some rightfully so. So um, other than that, um, the original proprietor, uh, George Jr., is said to haunt his former quarters. And people have reported, you know, shadows, footsteps, even humming. And some people have even reported the rapid onset of like a physical illness while in that suite. And then there's also a playful or mischievous young child that haunts uh, a suite called the Marion suite or the Emma suite. So these, um, these specific rooms are reported like um, unexplained sensations of Mm -hmm. someone jumping on the bed. So they think that the kids still haunt the mansion. Now I've stayed there and I stayed in, I believe it was called the gold suite. And yeah. it is associated with a apparition by the name of aunt pussy. And right. she is said to, to visit her, uh, her tenants at night. I stayed there about uh, 10 years ago when mm. me and my wife first started dating, we looked for right. a little getaway. And we nice. stayed at the Brumner because I've heard about the the lore and the legacy, and you know it was it was beautiful accommodations, some of the best scrambled eggs and bacon that I've ever had as part of the bread bed and breakfast package. Love um, it. As far as any activity, I don't have any stories to report. Okay, but it is definitely a place that everyone should visit. It's great for a little weekend 
getaway, yes. um, just to stay in kind of a, a Victorian era hotel of that magnificence. And yeah. the the pricing's not not too bad still. So I, I'd I'd highly recommend that everybody check it out. Yeah, there's a one other thing. Um, supposedly, uh, Aunt Pussy loves the song "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." So oh, I haven't heard that. Put that on the radio. Because it's, you know, I don't know if it's close to Miller Park or whatever it's called nowadays. <laughs> I always forget State Farm Park, whatever the heck, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's AmFam Field, but Amp in, Amp in, our Field. Hearts, in our hearts, it will always be Miller Park. It will always be Miller Park, yeah. So anyway, people who would, you know, they'll stay there and then go to the game. So I guess people were putting, putting that on the radio or something like that, or I don't know, the record player. Uh, again, let's not get in the way of a good story. And mm-hmm. then when people would try to play other music, all of a sudden they're like the record player will malfunction or their stereo or whatever will malfunction. But then when they put the song back on, take me out to the ball game, no problem. <laughs> so it's like, she's protesting for that song. Yeah, That's she's great. Protesting. She like that I song. love that. Love that little wrinkle. And yeah, it's a, uh, I believe it's on Wisconsin Avenue, which is uh you know, right down the street from Miller Park. Always, but still. Yeah. Just, so, you know, up the up the road. Top five. Anything you want to change? Anything you go, well, I think well, move I this think one we, up or move this one back down. I, I think <laughs> we might have to sli- sli- um, slide Kate Blood down. I think okay. um, if you're ranking Wisconsin Legends, I think it's mm-hmm. definitely in the top five of Wisconsin Legends as far as haunted places. Yeah, I know it's yet to be seen, but I need to know, you know, six through 10 to really make the determination. Okay, then let's get going on that. So the next one is Holy Hill. It's like a cemetery, seminary. Uh, It's this beautiful place in northern Wisconsin. I don't know if you've ever heard of this place. Supposedly Bigfoot is supposed to be there. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Insane Hermit. So I don't yeah. know if you've heard so of So there's place. lots, lots of lore around Holy Hill. So Holy Hill to a lot of Wisconsin Catholics is like a kind of a, they make a pilgrimage there right. because it's this beautiful old shrine. It's on like the highest point in Southeast Wisconsin. If you just yeah. Google Holy Hill pictures, yeah, especially gorgeous. in the fall, just gorgeous. It's, it's, it's a beautiful old cathedral. So it sits on top of, um, like I said, the highest hill. And the storied history goes back as far as Wisconsin's recorded history. So even the Potawatomi that um, inhabited the land before um, the French explorers came um, found it to be like a sacred area. Now, mm-hmm. a Jesuit priest, if he built a stone shrine with a cross on the mount back in the mid-1600s. So you think... Right. Now, that's mid 1600s. Wisconsin's only been a state since 1840, so the the history of the site predates our statehood by 200 right. years. Yeah. And then there's a guy named Francis Sorbio. He was a Frenchman. He came to Wisconsin in search of that shrine in the 1830s. So this would almost 200 years later, and he mm-hmm. decided to stay. And he was known as the Hermit of Holy Hill. Now, right. he had been a witness to miracles, including the healing of paralyzed limbs, along with other cures. So wow. uh, it has kind of 
some lore around its healing powers, this specific site. Now, the building complex that you see today has got two twin, like twin spires, and those were con- uh, constructed in like the early 1900s. And um, it's managed by the Discalced Carmelite Friars. Now, I'm not sure what the origins of their group is, but um, they're the caretakers of the current property. Now, the like you said, the area around it, Holy Hill, it's mm-hmm. of course subject to some spooky occurrences, yeah. as well as like a dogman sighting, like the Beast of Bray Road. Yes. And, um, you know, some people said Bigfoot. And then also nearby is a place called Hubertus. And there's a specific road in Hubertus called Hog's Back Road, where it's allegedly right. home to a goat man-like figure right. that stalks the road. So it's got a lot of lore, a lot of history, and then a lot of spooky occurrences yeah. uh, to boot. So, yeah, I think it's definitely up there as far as is the lore and the history goes there. Um, one place I, I definitely need to go see probably this fall. Yeah. Um, and recently uh, I put on, uh, I believe on my Instagram, social media, uh, sorry, uh, like a figure, because there's a woman supposedly that haunts this place. And, and I can't remember the name of her, but she just walks around and, and there's this picture this paranormal investigator took of this woman. You can see clearly an outline of a woman kind of going through some tall grass. And, oh. you know, it could be, again, that's the hard thing about paranormal, right, Jeff? Like, people go like, oh, that's just some dude in a, right? Or that's some girl or that's whatever. And you're like, yeah, it's hard to prove that. But it's still scary enough that it's kind of interesting. That, yeah, it just uh, adds to the overall that. lore of the place. So, yeah. It's very yeah. cool, and like I said, definitely on the bucket list. Yeah. So now I'm going to throw you a curveball, okay? Because okay. this if one's I'm really ready. interesting to me. Maribel Caves, Maribel, Wisconsin. Are you familiar with that one at all? Oh, yeah. We did a, a podcast oh, on Hotel Hell, which yes. is right there at the Maribel Caves or the Charney Maribel Caves. So... If there's one place that has more lore connected to it in Wisconsin, I don't know what is. So Mm. the actual history of the place is intriguing in itself. And you can listen to the podcast for all the entire history because it's really quite cool. And I think the lore that's been grafted on kind of does a disservice. So. Yeah. Um, it was originally a health spa because of the springs there were, were mineral springs. So they were known for their healing. Um, but it's said that the Maribel Caves Hotel burnt three times all on the same day. Well, when you actually look into it, um, <laughs> the place had, had never had a fire. The bottling factory for the mineral water had had a fire. There have been several deaths associated with the property, you know, um, you know, health spa people having heart attacks there. I think, uh, one of the workers there, a Polish gentleman, um, immigrant that had worked at the health spa committed suicide there. Um, and it was kind of a botched suicide. He wasn't successful. 
on the uh-huh. first attempt and languished for a while. So it was a really tragic scene. Ugh. And um, the place kind of fell into disrepair um, after the Prohibition area. There's another marker. It's kind of the theme for tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the original people that ran the resort, um, you know, they grew, grew older. Um, their kids really didn't want to take it over. And then it kind of fell into disrepair. They leased it to a man out of Chicago. And then during Prohibition, um, it was associated with the Maribel Caves, which were well known for moonshining and run rumming. Because mm. what better place to manufacture something illegal inside a cave, um, <laughs> yeah. naturally cold for storage. Yeah. Um, and then you can, you know, back trucks up there. Um, they used the mineral the mineral um the mineral tr- water hauling trucks as transport so they said oh mm. we're just hauling some mineral water to chicago or milwaukee or, it's like or whatever but it was loaded <laughs> down with with hooch you know yeah, clear yeah, yeah. liquid right glass bottles so um it's got a lot of lore to it and then in the 1980 or 1970s um the original family the steinbreckers one of their descendants actually purchased it. He turned it into the Marable Caves Tavern, I believe the name was. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when the lore really started. Because apparently on the third story of the building. So just to back up a little bit. You need to pull up a picture of the Marable Caves Hotel. Because it yeah. looks like a medieval castle. It looks like something out of like Scotland or Absolutely. Uh, somewhere in the hills of Switzerland. <laughs> and... Um, so it's it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, that place is haunted. But um, besides from like the alleged hauntings, it has a lot of history, and um, you know, just I, I think uh, a lot needs to be said on that specific uh, topic. Yes. And unfortunately, in I believe it was, uh, I can't remember the date, but I think in 2013, a really heavy windstorm came through and yeah. knocked down. So now it's just mm-hmm. ruins right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Just yeah. like summer wind, um, any chance of it being uh, rebuilt yeah. or restored to its former glory. Um right. feels like that windows has closed. Yeah. But um yeah. you can you can still check out the caves. The yep. actual hotel property is fenced off. No trespassing. Right. They yep. have cameras and people respond just like um John's friend <laughs> with the sheriff. Yeah. Um, and then it, and then with the standing walls, you know, you got stack stones. You don't want any of those um, to fall yeah. on anybody. So yeah. it's a danger to yourself. Even if the ghost won't get you, maybe uh, a falling rock or, or brick mm-hmm. might. So yeah, um, admire from afar. Check out the uh, the caves. Uh, I heard that's great for uh, caving. And uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah. So and, now and that's, uh, I. That's also on the Wisconsin Legends podcast as well yeah so i would definitely listen to that because uh i i kind of knew a little bit about it um i haven't really think so i got a tie for number eight i know you're probably saying john come on you wimped out on me but there are two bridges the siren bridge in siren wisconsin and the bloody bloody bride bridge say that <laughs> 50 times fast in steven's yeah. uh point and the reason I put these together is because so Bloody Bride Bridge 
the way it works is very simple. You, you go drive down there, and there's supposedly there's a woman that is dressed in a wedding gown or a wedding dress. She gets in your car. Uh, you kind of, people have said they've had conversations with her, you know, and she just kind of sits there and doesn't say anything. And then when you get over the bridge, she's gone. So yes, so it's a it's a ahead. it's a bridge on Highway 66, um, just outside of. Stevens Point, and according to legend, a bride died here on her wedding day. So the accounts, like you said, they vary from legend to legend, yeah. right. um, retelling to retelling. Some yeah. say she died after a car veered off the road, unable to make the curb because it is a curb um, embankment mm-hmm. on that on that bridge. Um, others assert it was a tragic head-on collision. Mm. You know, however, she passed. Her presence uh, has been made known to passersby and. She's still clad in that now bloodied wedding gown. And if you drive across the bridge after midnight, uh, you may spot her standing on the roadside. And often, yeah, she appears in your backseat. Um, (laughs) As far as historical accounts, uh, we can't find any deaths associated with this. I know there's been stories of police reports, but um, they really haven't um, done anything. It's it's a great legend, and growing up in Wisconsin Rapids, Stevens Point's the next big town over. So I, yeah. I had heard this one from uh, friends that went to Spash and grew up yeah. in uh, the uh, Stevens Point area. So it's definitely uh, one that you can you can check out. Maybe you'll have your own encounter with the uh, yeah. the bride, and, bloody bride, Rich. Yeah, and word of warning because Dairyland frights like to keep everybody safe. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that bridge gets kind of foggy. So I know you're probably thinking, John, I'll go when it's super foggy and super creepy. It's a bridge, people. <laughs> Cars yeah, go over it, the bridge. And it is Please on a curve, don't stop. too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. Uh, I know you want to have a thrill and everybody wants that, but you know, I don't want anybody to get hurt. So there's your <laughs> word of warning from uh, Jeff and I. Um, disclaimer. Disclaimer, yes. So the Siren Bridge, this is something I I have to check out. So the Siren Bridge, one of the things that's supposed to happen is when you, there was, and this is a true documented story. I think I found some Mm -hmm. things on it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if these are the right things, but yeah, a a mother, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I go really quick. A mother and her daughter, or I believe it was a daughter or baby, whatever child, they went off the bridge, slid off the bridge. And they were killed. Uh, and supposedly, when you go over that bridge, and this is so, being a dad, we're both dads, mm-hmm, so this mm-hmm. is very really sad for us. Supposedly on the radio, it will, it will come up, they will say, Mommy, I need help. Or, Mommy, can you help me? Like, a child's yeah. voice will come on your radio. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that yeah. is so, spooky and terrifying. You, go ahead. You had, the, you had the same reaction that I did to this. So, you know, I... You know, I traffic in these these stories. I try to write one legend for Instagram, uh, you know, Monday through Friday. And, you know, you hear these stories and, you know, you just kind of pass them off as, yeah. you know, that's just a legend or, you know, that's just a, a spook story or maybe it's yeah. a cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like you said, um, Siren, it's a Northwoods town. I think it's kind of over by uh, Eau Claire. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. And like like you said, um, it's based on a true story. Yeah. So the grim reality is a young family died there 
March oh, 5th okay. of 1985, uh, the vehicle carrying Rick, Rose, and Jody Kringle, they skidded off the highway mm. during high winds in a March snowstorm. So their truck overturned into a nearby creek and all three passengers were lost. And like you said, people that stop on Siren Bridge, um, some say that their radio will start to fuzz out. And this mm. is the days where people still tuned into the FM band right. and their, the radio would, would um, project this help me mommy, which mm. is just kind of, chilling Oof. considering you know what happened so um Oof. you know i heard the story i thought nothing of it but then i actually went on like newspaper archives or newspapers.com and right. i found the actual clipping oh from wow. the story and that really kind of Oof. chills up my spine yeah, and, and being dad a dad of a daughter mm. about that age and thinking yeah. about you know the tragedy that befell this young family yeah and then um, kind of thinking about this young girl still kind of there looking for help, you know, it, it, it really kind of affected me deeply yeah. where most of this stuff I I've brushed off. So yeah, this one kind of holds a kind of a special place for me because of how yeah. I reacted to it. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tragic place. I, that being said, I still do want to check right. it out and you know yeah. maybe if if we can get in contact with with young jody we can let her know that yeah. it's okay to move on it's okay to move on right yeah now there are some honorable mentions boy scout road is supposedly where some boy scouts uh were killed there's a whole mess of stories with it uh also uh there's a one called j road which a mm -hmm. hiker I don't know if you ever heard of this one. This, the J Road Jogger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this one I didn't put on here because I'm like, eh, I want to check this out for myself because some of it's like, eh. So supposedly a jogger is jogging and some car sideswipes her and now she comes out of the swamp. And it sounds like a cheesy horror movie. And supposedly, too, there's a haunted, well, a house that appears on fire. And supposedly there was a, a lady who owned all these cats and all these cats are running mm -hmm. out on fire. The lady's yeah. on fire and people are seeing that. I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> that one's kind of, you know? that one's kind of outlandish, but uh, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's just, know, you know, yeah. another piece of the lore for yeah. the, for yeah, the road or for the area. So let's go to number nine. This one, I'll be honest with you, uh, Jeff, I don't know much about, maybe you can help me out with this one. But when I started reading about it, I was like, Really? Wood County Insane Asylum, Marshfield, Wisconsin. Know anything so, about that? Yeah, I do. So this, like Boy Scout Lane, not far from Wisconsin Rapids, um, the Wood County Asylum. Uh, it was an old uh, Wood County Asylum in near Marshfield, uh, opened in the early 1900s, and it housed about 250 patients and staff. So the main purpose of the pro property was to house the incurably insane, and it also served as a working farm, giving patients the opportunity to farm in a 18-acre plot. Now, <laughs> but life wasn't necessarily just based around like leisurely 
farming, it sounded like these people were subject to like back breaking labor. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the unconventional treatments like electroshock therapy, mm -hmm. blood letting, shock inducing ice baths, and even um, induced vomiting to try to rid the patient's body of the uncleanliness. So it doesn't sound like just your bucolic working farm where everybody's <laughs> happy and, yeah. you know, uh, growing crops and harvesting. It sounds like it was uh, not a desirable place. So uh, the facility, it lasted until 1974. Wow. And they closed it <laughs> down and uh, moved all of the patients to uh, a better suited place for modern, you know, mental health care. Now, once the building was abandoned, um, it attracted, of course, you know, vagrancy and mischief, a place for teenagers to yeah. hang out and do their Ouija boards or occult practices. Right. Right. Now, um, the site has, you know, since attracted paranormal investigators yeah. um, who ca captured EVPs, disembodied voices, footsteps around the property. And uh, they they did take one barn, mm. and they um, signified it as a historical landmark. So that is protected, but everything else has been raised. But now it is owned and operated as a Marshfield Scrap and Recycling Service Center. Oh. So um, I had a friend, a former coworker, mm. that. Um, he grew up in Marshfield, and he had worked there for a little bit of time. And he said that, um, you know, during the day, the scrapyard, you know, everything was normal. But he said definitely after sunset, it took mm. on a creepy feel after dark yeah. is what he told me. So he said that uh, he won't want to be there by himself at night after dark. and. Sure. It sounds like it was was a uh, unfortunately a place where people in need didn't get the care that they yeah. they deserved. Same the old humanity story, right? wasn't yeah, same wasn't old extended story. to them. Yeah, unfortunately. So hopefully, yeah. you know, eventually they'll move on. But uh, yeah, there's a, a sad history there. Mm. I just did uh, the Edinburgh Manor. Uh, it's in Monticello, mm -hmm. Iowa. Uh, my last episode, very very similar to this. It was like a poor farm for the incurably mm -hmm. insane. But they yep. said the lazy and abled body could go there too. And I'm like, wait a minute, lazy and able bodied. <laughs> okay. But it was a, um, a retirement home and it was full mm -hmm. of abuse and everything. And the thing is, and you might have seen this on some of my social sites, is it closed in 2010 and people just left. So yeah. there's pictures of like, rooms with people's clothes still in the closet their their slippers you know still laying by the bed their bed's still made like someone said uh -huh. no you're you're going just get out yeah basically wow. threw them out and i'm like what a terrible terrible place and remember back in that day too jeff you could be like hey honey what's for dinner and she oh i didn't make dinner well you're going to the <laughs> You're lazy. <laughs> you're you're checking in at the farm farm. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. You should have made me dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're we're of the age where we still grew up, and um, 
you know, your dad would say, you know, if you keep breaking stuff or keep doing this, you're going to yeah. send us to the poor, to the poor house. Poor, yeah. Right. Right. And, and we had no context for that, but you know, right. doing the research on, right. on places yeah. like this, you're like, yeah. Oh wow. These places really existed. And, um, unfortunately they were not a place where people got, you know, the care no. that they needed. No, no, they didn't. So, all right. Number 10, I admit Maybe not the scariest one, but I'm a homer, and I used to go All to right. this when I was in my youth. <laughs> the Wonder Bar in Madison, Wisconsin. So oh, I know that's man. a little bit okay. cheap one, but I you put know, it in there. <laughs> yeah. So personal story about okay. the Wonder Bar. When yeah. I first moved to Madison in 2009, it wasn't mm-hmm. called the Wonder Bar. It was called the Bar Next Door. So Ooh. this is a bar okay. It's across from the Coliseum in yes. Madison. You'll see it uh, off the Beltline when you drive in or drive down John Nolan Drive. And it unfortunately has since closed. Oh, so, no. Yeah, it kind of broke my heart because when I had first, when I had first moved to Madison, I lived on Olin yeah. Avenue down by Park Street. Not the best part of town, no. but <laughs> the closest bar was the bar next door, which became the wonder bar. So the wonder bar, um, was also connected to prohibition and it was run by a mob family called the Tuies. They were a Chicago crime syndicate. And, um, apparently the, um, the brother that ran the bar, his name was Eddie and he wasn't associated with it, but there was some illicit activity that definitely Mm. happened in there. But fast forward to when I moved there in 2009, you know, I heard, oh, yeah, that place is haunted. And if you look at the old stone structure, uh, you'll see that it has two corner towers on it, which would have been Mm -hmm. perfect for either gun nests or lookouts. So um, I had made friends with the bar manager at the time, and I had asked him, I said, have you ever experienced anything here? He said. You know what, Jeff? I have. And then mm-hmm. he pulled out a stack of, this was back in, you know, 2009. This would have been like iPhone 1 era. Sure. So a lot of people still had regular, um, not Polaroids, but um, regular 35 millimeter printouts. And he sure. showed me this printout of, uh-huh. on the main level, in one of those corner towers, this wispy apparition of oh, wow. what looked like a man. And this is sounds so cliche. And if somebody told me <laughs> sure. this, I'd call them, say you're full of shit. But <laughs> it looked like a man in a fedora holding a Tommy gun in this wispy apparition. And this was before, wow. you know, modern day, you know, yeah. where it's easy to like Photoshop and print something yeah, out. Like, yeah, yeah. like somebody actually captured this. And I was very intrigued by that. And I wish I had known what happened to that photo because shortly after, um, I moved out of that apartment. It was renovated and turned into the Wonder Bar. And uh, it's unfortunate that I think hmm. it was a casualty of COVID. Sure. And if you're a Madisonian, you know, there are a lot of people looking to move to the Madison area. They want to live in the yeah. downtown. They want to live by Lake Monona, Lake Mendota. Yes. And they are tearing things down as fast as they're building it. And this Shame. is one of the sites. Yes, it's a shame because 
we need we need to keep Madison weird and we need to protect some of this historical heritage and not just make yeah. everything high raise apartments. That's kind of my screed for the evening. But uh, it's one of the places that has been on the list of places to tear down and redevelop. And it'd really be a shame because it's, you know, I have a personal connection to it because it was, you know, the first bar that I went to when I came to Madison. And right. Yeah, me too. And uh, it just has such a a rich history of, you know, gangster lore to haunting. So it like checks all over the boxes for me. Mm. And if it, if it went away, um, which I assume it probably will be moved and reconstructed somewhere if we're lucky, if not raised, but if, if it, if it is knocked down, I'm going to have to go grab a brick or something like that for a a memento because it was a great place. And, and it's great. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't have the best uh, news about that one, but definitely uh, an awesome place yeah. with lots of lots of history and uh, legends. So, what do you think of the list? Is there anything you would add? Is there anything, John? You missed this one. The one that I would add is we we're talking about the poor farm, the Wood County Asylum. Let's talk about the Sheboygan Asylum. Oh, now right. the in it's just outside of of Sheboygan. Um, the Fox Valley Ghost Hunters, the same group that I went to Summerwind with, they run tours there, and I got a chance to about a year ago to visit. And it has a, a similar history to the Wood County Asylum, but it sounds like the the treatments weren't as <laughs> horrific. It sounds like they treated oh, their patients good. a little bit better. So. Uh, at least that's what they tell you on the ghost hunt. So I, I hope that's true. Yeah. But there is a lot of activity there. Um, there's one little room they call the chapel where, um, you know, the tour guides um, kind of the, the way that the Fox Valley ghost hunters tours work is a lot of times you go on these ghost hunts and they'll, they'll just be like a, a tour guide that will walk you through and tell you like a scary story. Um, with the Fox Valley ghost hunters, they're, they're ghost hunters at heart. So they will bring all of their gadgets and gizmos sure. and they will try to involve the group in yeah. a group ghost hunt. And, um, you know, we had the, like the EVP or not the EVP rope, the EMF rope laid out with the little lights on it. And whenever oh, right. something gets near and changes the yeah. EMF, it changes the colors. We got so much activity in that room and, wow. uh, lots it. of, uh, spirit box activity. We got to visit that chapel. We got to visit um, the, there was like a cold storage for the bodies. We got to go into that room and conduct a seance. We got to go into some steam tunnels and had just an incredible uh, experience with the spirit box session there. So anybody who wants a little thrill, I would definitely recommend the Sheboygan County Asylum. And uh, the Great Lakes Paracon is coming up next month, September 21st. Oh. At um, the Glen Beulah School, which is another haunted school, not too far from the Sheboygan Asylum. And then in the evening, after having the conference at the school, we'll be heading to the asylum for our own little ghost hunt. So wow. uh, yeah, I believe there's still a few out. tickets left. Definitely check it out. The Glen Beulah School, really cool. Um, we're not sure what accounts for the hauntings. It doesn't seem like anybody's ever died in the old school, but okay. you know, when, uh, I'll, yeah, well, the, the, the thing that's funny, the, the thing that's funny about schools is what do we dream about 
One of the main recurring dreams that I have is being back in school and not being able to find my schedule or not having my homework completed or not being able to get into my locker. So maybe we astral project to these schools. Maybe we're disembodied there. And maybe that's what accounts for the haunting of these old schools that don't have, you know, the, the typical history of death, like prisons or these poor farms or insane asylums that, we like to, to haunt some or like to investigate the hauntings of so much. So maybe yeah. that's, that's what it is. So that's I definitely put the, uh, the, uh, the asylum on that list. And uh, I think it's a, a pretty solid list, but like you said, John, Wisconsin, that's, it's uh, no stranger to hauntings, the paranormal and the paranormal lore and just kind of uh, getting back to, you know, our beginning conversation about how, we really got into it. So there was this book my mom brought home from the library when I was about eight years old. And sure. it was this dusty old book from like the seventies. I think it was, yeah, like uh, maybe the early sixties called Wisconsin lore. Do you have a copy oh, of this, right. John? Uh, but, uh, it, no, I don't, but I know about it and I have seen it. I want to read it. It's on my uh, to-do list. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of dated. It's kind of scatterbrained, but yes. in one of the opening chapters, it said, um, if the lore is any indication, Wisconsin contains more ghosts per square mile than any state in the unit. Something wow. to that effect. And I can remember reading that when I was eight or nine and just kind of feeling a shiver come up my spine thinking, oh my God, <laughs> like, I, I had no you. idea. Like <laughs> I just took it for granted. But um, it was really a, a cool project by um, two professors. They right. traveled around Wisconsin. Maybe they took a sabbatical. Maybe it was during their summer vacation. Sure. And in like the 60s, they they went around and they collected all of these old, you know, folk tales and ghost tales and, and stories and compiled it into this book called Wisconsin Lore. So um, from like a historical aspect, it's definitely worth getting a copy. You can pick one up for a few bucks on on eBay. I got a couple nice. of copies in, in like the original first edition hardcovers just because it nice. made such an impact on me. It's 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 not much for the reading, but um, yeah. there's a lot of stories in it that are were definitely worth documenting for the time yeah. and probably carried forward into um, you know the modern day mythos of Wisconsin legends and lore. Yeah, and I've read like weird Wisconsin. Um, yeah, and one it's of the a state cities- where you can actually see it right. Here, right next to, I got Robin Yount. I got my yep. Badgerland Legends logo. I got the haunches here, and then right there, Weird Wisconsin. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and one of the things I would say, I, and all my listeners know this, all my spooky friends, uh, yeah, know that I've been to Savannah. I've been to Savannah. Oh twice. yeah. So Savannah is like you're talking about your know, ghost per capita, whatever. What, yeah. what was so funny, I went to ghost tours and stuff, and it was just incredible and everything. I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful city. It's definitely, I, I don't know if taking the families may be a great idea, uh, because they have they get a little issues older. going on, but the, the wife, and you know, it's still gorgeous. Anyway, every point of that place is haunted. Like, I literally was, and I've told this a million times, I was like in a sonic drive-in, okay? Because that's like their culverts, basically. Sure. Us. And I joked with the guy, I said, oh, was that bathroom haunted? And he just looked at me seriously and went, yep. 
And I went, <laughs> what? And I, well, I stayed at if... this like really nice hotel, right? Like it was like a Marriott. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went outside by myself to take a walk around downtown. And I come back mm-hmm. in and this really nice older Southern woman goes, darling, you do not walk in Savannah at night, sweetie. You do not do that. And I was like, because of the crime and she goes well that <laughs> but also <laughs> you will be followed by a spirit and you will bring that spirit here and she was jeff adamant about it she was like don't ever do that again i will go with you after i get off my ship and i was like whoa, whoa okay take it easy you know like all right but that's the oh, way my. that town views their whole history yeah. It's incredible to me. It's, that's that's it's awesome. amazing. And the similar vibe in uh in New Orleans too. One of the yes. I I have not been to Savannah. It's definitely a place I want to get to. Um, maybe maybe some fall or or uh, spring would be great for that. Absolutely. But um, you know, you talk about the haunted Sonic bathroom. Yeah. Well, we don't have any haunted Sonics. We don't have a haunted Culvers, but we have a haunted Dairy Queen. In a haunted subway, but a, a haunted Dairy Queen for America's Dairyland just seems fitting. Yes, absolutely. And the haunted subway is actually near me in Dodgeville. That's oh, <laughs> is that that's right? Yeah, that is. And the I one. think the haunted Dairy Queen is in Appleton, and there's two yes. in Appleton. So make sure you yeah, got the right haunted one. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. You got the yeah. you got all this grave blood and <laughs> oh, you got this. So Jeff, I could talk to you for hours. Like I was telling you. Buddy yeah, Mike, you guys have so much great stuff. I love everything you guys put out. Um, but hey, my spooky friends want to know where they can find you too. So where do we find you? Where can we uh listen yeah, to this so great stuff? We I, I've talked about it endlessly already on this podcast. So Wisconsin <laughs> Legends Podcast. There are only seven episodes right now. We me and Mike were both um you're both fathers of young children. Of course. Uh, He's in a band. He runs the tours. I got a full time yep, job. <laughs> so we we what we do is we do a batch release. So the first yeah. season was seven episodes. We have a new season coming out. Nice. And uh, we're going to drop in probably mid September. We're your neck of the woods. We're going to Frank Lloyd Wright country. Nice. We're going to talk about Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, two episodes right. on that. We're going to go up to Rhinelander and talk about the Hodag. Nice. Uh, we have a UFO episode, Wisconsin UFOs, Love that uh, is in production right now. We're going to talk about a little-known flap of murders that happened in our state capital in the 70s called oh. the Mad City Murders or the Mad City Slains. Oh, we have that, oh, like that, that episode. Yeah, so uh, we got a lot in store. We're going to go to Waukesha, and we're going to talk about the story of a boy. That showed up in the Waukesha quarry, uh, in the Waukesha quarry, and they called okay. him Little Lord Fauntleroy. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> nice. So we got uh, a whole slate of uh, yes. new episodes coming out, and the the format for it is we like to take one one subject and kind of give a broad history on it. Sure, we, I talked about the, the Maribel Caves Hotel. Um, I probably have compiled the most um, thorough history of the place um that's been recorded in one place that place deserves its own book so if anybody gets squirrely and wants to write a book um reach out to me on the socials there you go uh badgerland legends on facebook uh badgerland legends on on instagram 
and yeah, we'll chat. Um, I'm always happy to uh, share resources, swap stories. Tell me, tell me Wisconsin legend I've never heard. I've written probably over 600 different legends just from nice. Wisconsin. And when I started this in in 2020, I was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do too often because then I'm going to run out of legends. Well. <laughs> You know, six, seven hundred later, I'm still, I'm still getting emailed. Going strong. You know, I, I thought I, I thought I knew everything there was about spooky Going Wisconsin, strong. but somebody, somebody hits with me with a zinger. So if you got a, if you got a zinger, something I haven't heard about, mm. uh, drop it. me a DM, drop me a, a message on on Facebook, or or uh, drop me an email, Jeff at BadgerlandLegends.com, and I'd be happy to hear about it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, I've, if you ever need me to be a guest on your show, I haven't told you my Jeffrey Dahmer story yet. Uh, it's not my personal story, but there's a Jeffrey Dahmer story from my cousin who worked with him at the chocolate factory during his all right, ambrosia, height, his height of uh, killings, I guess. His, his reign of terror. His, his reign of terror. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever want to be on, you and Mike, uh, we'd l- I'd love to have you on. You guys are great, great stories, great information. Wisconsin Legends, uh, please don't miss that. Check it out. It's worth your while. Uh, like I'll put everything on the links on the episode so you can contact Jeff about his book, about the Maribel Caves, because that sounds amazing. But before yeah. we end up for tonight, Jeff, we ended up doing two different things. First, we say, right. hi to your ghost. Hello, ghost. <laughs> now, see, and... after last night and my encounter, John, I'm a, a little nervous to do that. <laughs> well, but you're being nice. That's my point. Okay. You're, you're being okay. nice. You're not, you know, making them feel excluded so they don't start pushing books off of shelves or something. Uh, and then we also say, stay spooky. So stay spooky, right. Jeff. Loved having you on and uh, look forward to getting out the episode and hopefully talking again soon. Yeah. So um, one more thing. We'll have to definitely do this when the new season drops. And then the uh, Milwaukee Paracon is coming up. That's sponsored by American Ghost Walks Mike's Outfit. So that's yes. coming up October 14th in Milwaukee. So uh, check that out. And uh, we'll hey there, Ghost. Stay spooky. <laughs> Thanks, John. Have a good one.